I cannot believe that like this is the last sermon of 2020. I mean, the majority of sermons that I preached in 2020 were to an empty room, just like now, an empty room with just a camera. And, and for you, the majority of sermons that you watched this last year uh, were, were in a room, maybe it was by yourself, maybe it was with your family, maybe you watched on a, some sort of electronic device, was it a tablet, a phone, a, a TV, a, a laptop, or whatever. And so this has been a different year. In some ways, it's been a difficult year. And I, I just want you to know, as we look at this scripture, so if you have your Bible's electronic devices, you can click with me or, or turn to Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through, through, through 32 is what we're going to look at this weekend. And the title of this message is, is The Problem with New Year's Resolutions. Just the problem with New Year's resolutions. And, and I discovered this a few years ago. And, uh, and I just want to tell you some principles and bring some principles out of Scripture. Because maybe this last year, God has taught you some things. Maybe you've gone through some struggles. And, and, I, and I don't know if you've noticed it or not. But sometimes it's in the midst of struggle that God wants to get your attention. Or God wants to teach you some things in the midst of, of struggle. And so one of the good things is, is we may be in the last lap of this whole COVID deal as the vaccine's being rolled out and some things are happening. And so I want to remind you next weekend, January the 2nd and 3rd, uh, we will be online only. So it'll be online only, no drive-in parking lot service on Sunday, January 2nd and 3rd, online only. We are looking at returning to in-person uh, that following weekend, January the 9th and the 10th, and we are excited about that. We'll continue to watch uh, hospitalizations and some of the other things that we have been. And so we're going to celebrate this next weekend, or this in the next few days, we're going to celebrate the New Year's. And, and so there's a tradition at New Year's. We make New Year's resolutions. And I, I don't know if you know this, but New Year's Day or New Year's resolution is one of the oldest traditions known to man. Fact is, the Babylonians started this some 4,000 years ago, the first day of the year, the new year. The Babylonians would gather around and make a New Year's resolution. You can see a couple of times in Scripture where all of a sudden David made, made this resolution or he said, I resolved to change this in my life. And so we can kind of see it also in, in Scripture. And so for four, over 4,000 years, it, it humans... I have been, been taking part in like New Year's resolutions. Now, people that do statistics tell you that there's three categories of, of, of New Year's resolution. The, the number one category and, 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 and probably the most popular uh, New Year's resolutions come out of health-related issues, whether someone wants to lose weight, go on a diet, exercise more, quit smoking, some of those health-related things. I, this year this is the first year I can totally relate to that. A couple of weeks ago, I had, I had a physical. My blood work came back. I got a call from the doctor's office, and, um, and he wanted to meet with me, and he wanted to talk about my diet. And, I mean, it was like an extreme diet. In fact, it was an extreme diet for me. Uh, he explained that diet to me, and so I went home, got on the Internet. I asked the Google about it. And so the Google brings up, like, the food pyramid. I don't know if you've ever looked at a food pyramid, but if you look at a food pyramid, then down at the bottom it has the, the, the foods that you're supposed to eat the most, and then it works its way up. And then when it gets to the very top, in fact, is of this food pyramid, when it got to the very top, the, the two top sections, the top... Um, point of the triangle was like broken off with these words, these horrible words. And in this food group, it said, use sparingly or eat sparingly. And I looked at that and I told Karen, that's my whole diet. 
I mean, my whole diet right now is in the use or the eat sparingly category. And so I started reading through that. And, and it, when I get to eat chicken, which is not often, but even when I get to eat chicken, I'm supposed to eat skinless chicken. And so I, Karen's helping me try to process through this whole deal. And I said, Karen, they want me to eat skinless chicken. I mean, that's like the best part. If you ask me which part of the chicken you like, you like white meat, you like dark meat, I say skin. I like the skin. I was raised in Texas. In Texas, at a fried chicken restaurant, you can actually order a bucket of skins. It's unbelievable. So I told Karen, I said, they, they want me to eat chicken, the skinless chicken. And Karen started laughing and said, well, how are you going to get the skin off of the, off of the wings? And then what are you going to have left? And then I called a friend of mine. He helped me process through this. And I'm talking to him about this food pyramid. And he says, well, tell your doctor that, uh, that py pyramid schemes are illegal. I mean, we all know pyramid schemes are illegal, and you can't do it because it's illegal. And so one of the categories is this issue of health issues. The second thing is this. is someone, Some people make uh, uh, New Year's resolutions out of financial-related issues, whether they want to increase savings or, or build up a 401K or, 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 or conquer some debt or, or, or deal with excessive spending in their life and develop a budget. In the third area, some people will make their New Year's resolutions out of deal with relationships. In other words, they're having some relational issues and they want to forgive someone or make amends or bring the family closer together, spend more time, a closer relationship with some co-workers, better communication with family or friends or some of those other things. But listen, most people, when they come to this place and they make New Year's resolutions, they make it out of, if you ever notice this, it's something that you're struggling with, something that you're dealing with, something that you want to change in your life. And normally they look at the external. They never look at the internal. They never, they never look at what is driving that external behavior. And many times the very thing that we're struggling with is where God wants to change you. In Scripture, you see this word resolution. Actually, you see the word resolve. It means to, to make a commitment, to make an inward commitment, to make an inward commitment to change. Because if we're honest, we all want to change somewhere. And so many of us will go to seminars, we'll read books, we'll, we'll listen to audio books, we'll, 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 we'll try to change. And, and we know this about New Year's resolutions, right? They only work for like 30 or 60 days, and then, then by, by 90 days, it's like none of us are keeping our New Year's resolutions uh, fact is, many of us can't even remember the New Year's resolutions that we made last year. And so that's the problem with New Year's resolutions. Is a lot of times they're just ineffective because we're focusing on the externals. We're focused on the behavior, but we're not focused on what's driving that behavior. See, a lot of times we look at behavior and, and God, looks at the, God looks at the heart. We look at the actions and God looks at the inside. And for, listen, for lasting change, we must change the inside first. We must change the, the heart first for there to be any external change. I, I no, noticed this a number of years ago in my life, and so in, in December of every year, I did it last year. I've done it for a number of years when I noticed this. It was, it was like 10 years ago that I noticed this. That, that we would make New Year's resolutions, and they were basically ineffective. And so I started asking God in December for a verse for the coming year. And said, God, just give me a verse. And, and a lot of times what I've noticed when I've gone back and looked over all, all of those verses, 10 verses that God has given me through this, 
<coughs> I have realized it's always come out of struggle. It's always come out of something that I need to change in my life, and I didn't even realize that. The fact is, in my, my 2020 verse, uh, God gave me in December of, of 2019, I had no clue how much I would need it in the coming year and in this year. And so the verse was found in, in Deuteronomy chapter 40, verse 20. And, 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 and the scripture is talking, and he says, he said, only, only take care. So he says, only take care. Keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, that they may depart from your hearts. He's talking about something internal. And make them known to your children and your children's children. I realized when I started working through this verse, and listen, I've spent a year of looking at this verse off and on, I realized that I needed to develop a heart of gratitude to where to become more thankful, more grateful, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, even in the midst of difficult times and trying times, just to try to find something that, that you're just grateful for. It's changed our, our staff meetings. Many times we start our staff meeting off with, with just, just a time of being grateful. Just what are you thankful for? And it's changed our staff meetings as, as pastors and, and, and other staff members begin sharing about, well, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this. And you can tell the mood on Zoom, you can tell the mood begins to change. And so to, today I want to talk to you about this issue of, of how to make how to make a godly New Year's resolution. I mean, we all know the problem with the New Year's resolutions. Many times it's on the externals and not the internals. I'm going to talk to you about a time in Scripture when Jacob, this is an Old Testament person, and Jacob is in, in the struggle. He's having a struggle in his life, and he finds out later that God's behind the whole struggle, and he's in this wrestling match with God, and it becomes like this turning point in jo Jacob's life. And from this point on, Jacob was like never the same. And we can find these principles here about how God desires to change us. See, there's a lot that we know about Jacob. See, in the Old Testament, when someone was given a name, it reflected their character. Not like today, but it, it literally reflected their character. When you study their name, you can learn a little bit about their character. And when you look at Jacob, you realize that Jacob's name meant to be a manipulator, a schemer, a, a, a cheat. I mean, he, he had this issue with, with lying and controlling, and he, and he really only trusted in himself, so he'd manipulate and control and, and, and use deceit and all of these other things. And so Jacob's sin was very public. I mean, Jacob was this person that was, he was a negotiator. He was always using people. And he was always getting in trouble. He was always getting found out. So I want to give you four principles. If you desire to come to this place in your life to where you could make a, a biblical commitment, a biblical New Year's resolution that would carry you through 2021 like it's done in my life in 2020. So here's four principles of how you can change your life. The first one is this, is many times God starts with a struggle in life to bring about change. Many times God starts a struggle in your life to bring about change. So in verse, verse 24 in, in, in Genesis chapter 32, we're just going to walk through these 10 verses together. Here's what it says. It says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip, hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. It always, listen, change always starts with an external problem. 
circumstances, situations. Verse 28, and I've already alluded to it, verse 28 tells us that guess what? God was behind his struggle. And they were in this like they were in this, this wrestling match. And listen, I, I had two brothers, and, and I get a wrestling match right. I sit there and I watch my grandsons now in a, a wrestling match. What? The goal of a wrestling match is to pin someone down to the ground to where they finally come to that place. They say, uncle. They say, I give up. Or unless mom or dad comes into the room early and, like, breaks the whole deal up. But the, the object of a wrestling match, especially between brothers, right, is to pin someone down to get them to the place like they give up and they cry uncle. And they says, I, I can't do it anymore. Have you ever come to that place in a struggle? Have you, ever, have, have you ever come to that place in a situation in your life where you say, I just want to say uncle. I just want to give up. I don't know if I can continue to do this anymore because when you look at this story, you realize it had gone on until daybreak. It had gone through the night. It lasted all night long. And for Jacob, he was in a no-win situation. Either he was going to change or he was going to continue. This is huge. He was going to continue in a struggle the rest of his life. Let's stop right here and just let me ask you just a simple question. What are you struggling with? What, what, did, what did you struggle with this last week? What did you struggle with this, this last year? What was like a constant like struggle in your life, a, a, a thread of struggle that ran, ran through the whole year? Uh, what have you struggled with this year? What is the problem in your life that says, you know what, I am just getting sick and tired and sick and tired? It seems like I continually deal with this one issue. It seems like I continually deal with this one struggle, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's fighting a friend, whether it's, whether it's a job-related, whether it's parenting, whether it's whether, whether, whatever it is that it just, for you, you would say, this last year, in fact, is it's gone on longer than that. Man, what is a struggle in your life? Maybe, maybe you look at the external, but what is, what is beneath it? Because I'm telling you, that's where lasting change happens. Have you ever considered that, like Jacob, God might be behind your struggle? Maybe God is in that struggle in your life, and he's trying to pin you down so you just come to the place. And you say, I give up. Uncle, I, God, I can't, I can't keep living like I can't keep in this struggle. I can't keep going from this same problem this same situation over and over and over, could I ask you, maybe God is using a struggle. Maybe God wants to use 2020 in your life to get your attention, show you where your trust is, where your struggle is. It's, it's human nature, right? It's human nature to put off things. I mean, we're real good. Humans are real good. It's, it's saying, one of these days I'm going to one of these days I'm going to change. One of these days I'm going to uh, do this, whatever it is. You can fill in the blank. I mean, when we went, when we, in March, when we went to working at home status, uh, I have a home office that's in my basement. And I mean, it, I mean, we are transitioning everything at the church. And like many of you and your businesses and your jobs and your occupation and, and school and everything else, I mean, it's like chaos. And, and we're, we're transitioning everything online. We're learning Zoom. We're learning technology at a different level. And I am shifting to moving 
everything to like this home office in my basement, and I'm bringing books from, from the church office to my home office. I'm bringing files, and, and I had pile after pile after pile. And my home office, it, it was becoming a disaster. And I kept saying, one of these days I'm going to pause long enough to like clean up the office, and one of these days I'm going to stop and I'm going to change and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to clean everything up. And then I had this, this carpet that was old that I always wanted to change, and I'd say that about that. One of these days I'm going to. And then in the midst of all of this, I got exposed to COVID. And I, for 14 days, I was in quarantine 24-7. And all of a sudden, I was in the midst of the struggle. And I got motivated to change, right? Before I knew it, I'd like ripped out the carpet and we're putting in a wood floor and in, in my office. I took everything out of my office and brought everything back in my office. I organized all of my files. I took care of everything. But all of a sudden, it took a struggle. It took something to push me over the edge to finally deal with it. Here, here's what I've learned. We never really change until the pain becomes greater than the fear of change. A lot of times, we don't change until we get to this place like Jacob that the pain becomes so great that it's greater. The pain is greater than staying that way. The pain is greater than the fear of change. Here, here's, the second, here's the second thing. The process continues when you partner with God. The process continues. Listen, this is the important thing. This is why I think New Year's resolutions really don't work. Biblical ones do. Biblical com, uh, commitments do. But, but when you look at New Year's resolutions just as they are, they don't normally partner with God. And when you partner with God, the process continues. Never forget the story about Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan set a record one night. Uh, he, 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 uh, he scored 69 points. I mean, it was unbelievable. It, towards the third quarter, they put in some third-string basketball player that I'd never heard of. He came off the bench. They put him in the game. He scored two points. After the game, it was, his first, it was his first interview ever with a reporter because he had never played before. And so the reporter asked this man, looked at him and said, what was it like to play basketball on such a historic night like this? He says, I will never forget this night. When Michael Jordan and I com combined, uh, when Michael Jordan and I partnered together and we combined, we scored 71 points together. Now, he had only scored two. Michael Jordan had scored 69. But the same thing is true with God. When we partner with God, God does all the heavy lifting. All we have to do is come off the bench. All we have to do is get in the game. All we have to do is say, you know what? I, I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to partner with you, and I'm going to do this. Because here's the interesting comment, verse 26. Look at this. It says, then he said to Jacob, let me go. For it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob came to this place. It was, he, he resolved in his heart. And he said, God, I, I'm not stopping until I get the blessing. I'm not stopping until I break through. I'm, I'm going to stick with the commitment until there's change in my life. I'm going to stick with the commitment until there's a blessing. I'm going to, listen, I'm sticking with this until you bless me. I'm sticking with this until I benefit from this. Listen, so many people have put so much time and, and effort into a marriage, and they're going through a struggle, and they don't want to give up, and I don't want to lose investment. God uses a crisis in our life to get our attention, but sometimes he doesn't solve the problem immediately. He waits for a while. Why does he do that? Because God wants to see if we're committed. Man, many people, I believe, 
Many people miss God's best for their life because they just give up way too soon. Man, we are great starters, right? And we're terrible finishers. Something about a project. You know the worst phase of a project is about the halfway point. That's normally when we stop most projects. When all of a sudden the, the enthusiasm's gone, the excitement's gone, and it's just, it is just getting through it. And we are great starters, but sometimes we're, whole, we're horrible finishers. <laughs> one day, one day I, I started an exercise program for a whole afternoon. I mean, when, when, I, when I looked at this diet, I mean, it was like they thought it was good news. It was like, good news, you get a cheat meal uh, a week. I need, I need a cheat meal for, a, for like a month. That's what I need. And so a lot of times we're great starters, but we're terrible finishers. And, and people will tell me, you know what? I have, prayed for a, I have prayed for this weakness in my life. And I'm like, well, how long have you prayed? Well, I just prayed once. And we live in an instant society. And, it, and if God doesn't make a change quick enough, if change doesn't happen quick enough, we just bail on the whole thing. See, the, the deal about a, a resolution in Scripture, a resolve in Scripture is what I'm talking about here. It's deeper than a New Year's resolution. It's to where you come to the place and says, I have resolved I am going to stick with this until I benefit from it. I'm going to stick with this until I conquer it. I'm going to, listen, my, my, my 2020 verse, I'm taking into 2021 with me with this new verse because there's still some things I need to learn about this issue of gratitude, this issue of healthy rhythms, this issue of protecting your soul. And Jacob says, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking with this until you bless me. It takes commitment. Galatians 6, 9, one of my favorite verses says, let us not get tired of, of doing good, for we will reap. We will reap a harvest at the proper time if, huge, this is a conditional promise of Scripture. There's unconditional promise of Scripture. There's conditional, this is a conditional promise of Scripture, that we will reap a harvest at the proper time, God's time, if we don't give up. That was Jacob. The third thing is this, the process continues when we're just honest with who we are. In other words, before we come sometimes face-to-face -face with God, we've got to come face-to-face -face with ourselves. And we just admit, you know what, I've got a problem in this area. We just admit who we are. Genesis chapter 32, verse 27, uh, it says, all of a sudden God asked him, what is your name? And the man said, Jacob, he replied. It's crazy. Why did God ask him his name? Because God wanted Jacob to admit who he was. In the Old Testament, remember when we started this talk out together? The Old Testament, a name reflected your character. It reflected who you are. Jacob said I am a, he was a cheater, a manipulator, a swindler, a crook, however you want to phrase that. And when Jacob was forced to say, I am Jacob, you know what he said? I am, I am a crook. I am a manipulator. I am a cheater. I am a swindler. He had to admit. He had to come face to face with himself. Admit who he was. Listen, I will never be able to change my weakness. You will never be able to change your weakness until you're willing to admit them. You're willing to confess them. Confess to who? Confess to yourself, confess to God, and many times to a significant person, a trusted friend, that you can look in the eyes and say, here's what I'm struggling with. They won't be surprised. God won't be surprised. They already know. This is what I'm struggling with. And I want you to know I want to work through this. And so God, or Jacob comes to the place to where he admits that he has a problem. 
He admits that he needs change. He comes face-to-face with himself, and he comes face-to-face with God. And so we can ask our, our, ourselves some of those questions also, that until I admit I have a problem, God cannot, listen, God cannot help me. To change, we have to come to this place where we stop making excuses. We stop blaming others. You know, like, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Humility. We're going to look at a verse because God says, remember, we won't pull it up on the screen, but just real quickly, Scripture says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, there's only one group of people that God says he resists, and it's the proud. You know why? Because the proud doesn't think they need God. The proud thinks they're perfect. The proud doesn't, doesn't think they need anybody but themselves. And he says, the Scripture says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. You know, what, you know what being humble is? You know what humility is? Honest about my strengths and honest about my weaknesses. And when we're honest about our strengths and our weaknesses, he says he gives us grace. Grace to do what? Grace to change. The reason we're humble is because Scripture says when we walk in humility, humility gives us grace, and grace gives us the ability to change. The fourth and the last thing is this. When we cooperate with what God is doing in our lives, it's always for our benefit. When we cooperate, when we partner with God, it's always for our benefit. And so verse 28, God looks at him and says, It's amazing. Your, your name will no longer be Jacob. Basically what he's saying, you're no, listen, you're no longer going to be a swindler, a manipulator, a cheater. Jacob, you changed. He said it, it, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men have prevailed. Then Jacob asked me, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And, he's, and, and he blessed him there. And Jacob then named the place Penel, for I have, seen the, I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. When Jacob admitted who he was, he began cooperating with God, and all of a sudden he changed. And he, noticed, and, and he called the place Penel, which means face, with, uh, uh, to, means face of God. In other words, what Jacob said, he came face to face with God, and God blessed him. A lot of people think, you know what, if I come to God, if I'm honest with God, God's not going to bless me. God's going to judge me. God's going to hurt me. But we find here just the opposite. I mean, God blessed Jacob. And God told him, you will, listen, you will no longer be called Jacob, but you'll be called Israel. You're, you're no longer going to be a crook, a swindler, a cheat, a manipulator. The word Israel, just real quickly, has, has two meanings. It means, to be, it means he who struggles with God. And then it means prince of God. I mean, it's an amazing story. He once was a cheater, manipulator, swindler, and now he's known as the prince of God. God does, listen, God does his deepest work in our identity, who we are, the way we see ourselves, our self-esteem. When, here's what I've noticed in Scripture and in life. When God wants to change you, he starts by changing the way you see yourself. Because if you have a faulty view of yourself, it's hard for him to cooperate with you because he sees you totally different. When God wants to change, he always starts with the way he sees yourself, you, you're, the way you see yourself. And God saw Jacob's, God saw, God saw Jacob's potential. Uh, beneath the cheater, the swindler, the manipulator, he saw a prince, the 
prince, um, the prince of God, and he changed Jacob's identity, and he gave him a new name. And here's an interesting conclusion in, in verse 31. It says, Then the sun shone on him as he passed by Penel, limping because of his hip. And while they were wrestling, God dislocated Jacob's hip, and his, his thigh was, 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 was damaged. And, and the rest of Jacob's life, he, he walked with a ramp, limp. And, and why is that such a big deal? And I, it's just two quick, important truths, and then we'll, we'll close. I, your, your thigh muscle is, is the most powerful muscle in your body. And, and God touched Jacob at the point of his greatest strength and, and for, for a couple of reasons. And one is it was a reminder uh, to Jacob that, that now he had to depend on God. All of Jacob's life, he depended on himself. That's why he's a manipulator, a crook, a swindler, a cheat, and all of those other things. He always got found out. He always had problems. But, but he never had power enough to change. And, and because he, he always depended on himself, and he never depended on, God, depended on God. And it caused stress, and it caused tension in his life. And he says, you now are going to walk. You're going to walk in my strength. You're no longer going to walk in your strength. You're going to walk in my strength. If you look back at Jacob's life, when he got into trouble, he, he ran. God said, I'm going to correct that. You're not, you're not going to run anymore. Another reason he gave him a limp, I believe, is a reminder to Jacob that it's never God's will to run from a personal problem. And it's not, it's not God's will. For us to avoid that problem in our life, it's not God's will for us to run from a personal problem. It's God's will for us to confront it, confront it with him and partner with him. And from this point on, when you look at Jacob's life, he always stood in God's power and God's strength. And God made him, made him stronger. And so what is, what is the whole lesson of this whole sermon of Jacob's life? I'm telling you, many years ago, this story touched my life greatly. The principle of the story is you don't have to stay the same. You don't have to stay the same. You can change. If God can change Jacob, he can change anyone. If God can change Charlie Jones, he can change anyone. Romans 9.13, later on, the scripture says, and, 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 and God said about Jacob, he said, Jacob, I loved. If God could love Jacob with all of his hang-ups, with all of his stuff, with his past, then guess what? God can love you, and he does, and God loves me. He named an entire nation after Jacob. You don't have to stay the way you are. Maybe for, maybe for 2021. Maybe you'd look at a New Year's resolution totally different and say, this is my struggle. Maybe in life journaling or reading scripture, just ask God for a verse. You'll know it. I mean, you'll just read it and say, I, I, that's just for me. That's for my struggle. And say, God, this is what I want to change in my life in 2021. And I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to cooperate with you. And I'm going to stay at it till you bless me, till I benefit from it. Maybe you've never come to the place in your life to where you've accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. See, that's where it starts. None of us can really change without a relationship with Him. So maybe you just need to accept Him. Ask Him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and give you the gift of eternal life. There's a next step for every one of us. Whether, whether your next step is really a first step, 
and that is to accept him. And you can do that several ways. You can pray a prayer. Uh, There's no magic prayer. You just pray a prayer and ask him to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. And the very best of your ability, you're going to walk with him. There's a live prayer button that you can click if you're watching this service live. You can click and a, a prayer partner will meet you in a virtual room. They would love to have a conversation with you. Maybe you have some conversations about salvation, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ. Listen, they'll be able to answer all those questions. You just click live prayer, and they'll join you in a virtual room, and you'll be able to text back and forth. But maybe you already know him, and maybe 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 you need to make a next step. Maybe you'd like to communicate with us some way. There's a connect card. You can click on that. You can fill out a virtual connect card that will go directly to a pastor, and we'll get back in touch with you. Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name. And Father, I thank you for everybody making decisions for you right now. And may we go into 2021 with a verse, with a commitment. May we make a a resolution, a resolve to where we're going to follow you deeper in 2021. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining in this weekend. God bless you.